you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the NFL Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansen. I'm coming to you from a country filled with heroes in bunkers. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, and joining us again, our old buddy. Oh, I have that plant right behind him. Patrick Claybon. What's up, boys? <laughs> hey, Dan. It's a nice plant. Yeah. Yeah. Still We're here cool. on the uh, on the old video stream. That's the exact, uh, I don't know the name of that plant, uh, Patrick, but that we got two of them. One died almost immediately, and the other we've uh, really been working with, probably even more than we've been working with our own children to keep it alive. Yeah, that's about the survival. The, the survival rate is, is about one out of three uh, for us. You know, you get it and then uh, the leaves start falling off. Of course, you know, a three year old uh-huh. destroys it and uh, oh, you just got to give tempting. up on a couple of them. You know, they're cheap, but they work. <laughs> Are we talking about the kids or the plant? I can't remember. <laughs> yes. Um, hey, now. <laughs> happy belated Father's Day uh, to everyone on this uh, show today. And we all have uh, two children each. Patrick just got into the uh, two kid club right under the uh, deadline. Thank you. Great to be so, here. Uh, <laughs> everybody have a, everybody have a nice uh, Father's Day weekend. What'd you guys do? What'd you get into? Hmm. I uh, did a little did a little beach, did a little in and out. I feel like I'm really embracing SoCal life after five or six years. I'm I'm fully indoctrinated. I don't want to go anywhere else. Another I'm, day I'm in paradise for Greg Rosenthal. No, that's not what I mean. I, this this offseason has been trying, but I'm happy to spend it in L.A., a place that I do love despite its faults. How about that? How about you, Mark? All right. Um, yeah, I thought it was, you know, I give um, my, my kids a lot of credit. They made cute little cards. We had kind of the best day we could, mostly at home, and I thought it was uh, enjoyable. I, I don't know if I embrace the this version of L.A. life the way that 
um, my colleague Greg is, but uh, I, I echo the thoughts. I would live in LA for a thousand years. Um, current current scenarios make that a little less doable than than planned. Foreshadowing. How about you, Patrick? Yeah, I, I mean, I think we could all take a little Greg Rosenthal uh, in our lives with regards to how we approach situation, especially fatherhood. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's, it's kind of survive in advance with a uh, right. incredibly active uh, three year old and his. Uh, his baby sister who warrants a good amount of attention. And so, uh, <laughs> you're in the, you're in, you're in it right now. You're in the middle of it. doesn't matter yeah. what day it is. You have a, like a three week old and a three year old. Forget about it. But I did, I did. Where is my, my gift? Uh, he brought home on Friday, a football with uh, mm. number one dad <laughs> on it. So oh, look at that. There you go. It's been decided now. Yeah, it's official. It's official. We can't take it away from it. <laughs> I had a little concern about the overall polling of fathers. Apparently there's like, seven to eight million number one dads out there. I guarantee mm. it's just simply not the case. There is probably a more realistic well, I know, somewhere out there. I know how to weed out all the guys that aren't the number one dads. It's the guys that walk around with the t-shirt saying they are the number one dad. Mm. That's true. That, yeah. That's a, you know, what were we talking about last week, Greg? It was like the guy that says, this is my team. When right. he's got to say it's my team, you know, it's not yeah. his team. I, I have that same yeah. philosophy when it comes to the number one dad memorabilia. All right. And, so you're you like know, Mitchell merch. Trubisky is walking around with with number one dad uh, T-shirt on in addition <laughs> to in addition to the Bears are my team. Uh, but if it's given to you as a gift like that, Patrick, I, that does not disqualify you just to make that clear. You know, I had um, I almost felt guilty, like as as Damashek would say, I was cheating life down here in Texas. Uh, the wives. I have a very good friend, uh, Jack Doyle down here who was married to Emily's cousin, Katie, and the two wives splurged and got us a pair of uh, uh, jet skis. Then we went up and down the lake and we had a great time. Then we came back to the house and Emily's uh, mother and Emily put together a shrimp boil, which if you have never wow. had a shrimp boil, it's a great southern tradition where they basically cook up kielbasa and potatoes and, and shrimp, obviously, onions, corn on the cob, and they just dump it on this table and then everybody just feasts upon it uh, and it's got a great Cajun like flavor to it, all of it. Uh, so put it all together and hanging out, of course, with the children is great too. And uh, mm. getting to do that. So I felt very, uh, very lucky in what's been a very difficult year. Um, I, I turned 40 this year to have 40 wiped out the way it was just like for Simone as well. Uh, if it, it was like a 2020 celebration that actually lived up to the hype down here. So I am very thankful mm. on this Monday. Hey, I'm unconvinced that, um, that you should or will return to Greg's Los Angeles because uh, you, you've been down there for a week. You've been the centerpiece of uh, various news articles. Um, you know, I was taking a look at that Gatesville Messenger, and they just on Saturday morning released um, a story that I I thought I'd bring to attention. The headline, yeah, Demand High for Chicks This Year, which I thought was going to go in one direction. This was released on Saturday morning <laughs> at 5 a.m. It's uh, Here's the lead. the lead here. Urban and rural chicken keeping has become increasingly popular over the last several weeks, but the COVID-19 pandemic created a boom in demand that backlogged many local hatcheries. Mm. So another um, item for you to focus on, Damn it, you've been playing basketball, you're jet skiing, the wife is cooking shrimp, you know, uh, boils. I mean, it sounds delightful. It's great. Me and Bob Bates, my father-in-law, and our official beat reporter of Baylor Sports, we built uh, – uh, a uh, treehouse for the boys as well. We did that. And speaking of the Gatesville Messenger, another great headline, Mark. I don't know if you were looking at the same issue, but uh, headline, Coward Wins Scholarship. It's the Coward family. They're a dynasty <laughs> family in Gatesville. Yes, they are. <laughs> well, one of them tangled True with Jesse story. James. 
<laughs> True story. Um, all right. Here we go. And yes, I'm still waiting to hear back about my Gatesville Messenger fate. Hopefully that works out. I'll have an update for you hopefully later this week. Today's show with the great Patrick Claybon is a fun one. And uh, Mark Sessler, thank you to you for continuing to churn out. And by the way, I I would love to return to Greg's Los Angeles. It's the Los Angeles for everyone else, you know, that I. I There's no it's right away. It's the Los Angeles in my mind. You know what? What's it? You know, what are you trying to say? You're you're like Andy Dufresne and Shawshank. They can't take away. They can't lock you away up here. I have listeners getting on me. It's like, well, you know, those covid cases are going up. Maybe you shouldn't be hitting the beach so much. It's like, okay, first of all, we're hitting it at 9 a.m. That's about the safest place you can be there's no one within 15 feet of us we're outdoors we're we're, we're wearing our mask to and from uh yeah get back off <laughs> i'm happy that you're happy i'm fun. not i mean it's not all it's not all sunshine. greg's los angeles is more of a mindset than it is a locale or a zip code it's not you know you're not driving to greg los angeles you have to you have to be invited I, I yeah, did there's drive no to... off-ramp like greg's la is not an off-ramp i can't find the on-ramp <laughs> It's, it's kind of like an it's island in the sky. I did drive to downtown uh, yesterday. We went, we I walked into a bookstore for the first time in, in oh. three months, which was you know everyone we had their masks and it was awesome. It was but downtown is um, it's in rough shape right now. Hmm. It's not. It's just it's just what even, I'm saying. Even in Greg's mind, even that, in Greg's, that is even not Greg's. A, a utopia. You're saying yeah. it's all closed up. All right. Well, Greg brought us down to earth with that final comment, but he gives us the story from all angles. Okay, let's do some news. Happy, happy Father's Day to all the wonderful fathers out there today. My prayer is today that you are appreciated and you are celebrated in the way that you want to be appreciated and celebrated. They need to stop taking you for granted. Always up moralizing in the father's <laughs> I love Dion. I mean, Dion. I well, like first it. of all, he's a colleague. He's very close to us. He he shows up. His backyard looks like basically he lives in his own state park. Uh, he's wearing a T-shirt that says "Don't allow my confidence to offend your insecurities," and then a giant gold rope that says "Prime" on it. And then Mark, he he had more to say. He had ninety seconds on this, uh, and I thought this one connected with you, especially your mindset on a lot of things when it comes <laughs> to uh, marriage and fatherhood. Dion, keep going. Hey, ladies, I want y'all to really lift your man up and give him the love, respect, and honor, and support and admiration that he deserves today. And we don't give it one day. We don't give him one day. If you got to fake it, darn it, fake it. Just give him what he deserves. Are, are, we, are we inferring anything there? <laughs> I mean, I can report that I received that kind of attention and right. um, behavior and water and, and essentially what was a waterfall of uh, good feelings yesterday. So. I, I can only imagine what, what it would have been like here if my main message for the day was stop taking me for granted. <laughs> It's like I saw like the Lakeisha have wrote a beautiful message of what a great um, dad, you know, Chris has been Chris Wesley early on. And and I was thinking, like, what would it take? Like what? Like if my wife put that message for me, I would think it was a joke. Like, well, I think right. it's a personality. I, live, too, I, yeah, but, I would live a whole life. No, and I and that's it's one reason you know. why I love my wife. I You know, it's all everyone different types for different. You know, it's like I'm never getting that message. 
<laughs> I love it. It's one of the things I love about Lakeisha and why Lakeisha and Wes are such a great couple. They're so open and um, just the way she is able to express their relationship and Wes as well. If you remember his iconic vows uh, on oh, yeah. the uh, mm-hmm. rooftop of the armory down there in Tybee Island. Uh, and we certainly miss Wes. And we want him back here as soon as possible. Um, all right, guys, let's get into the news. All right, we'll start. And we did a show, of course, late Thursday night, and we talked about um, what Dr. Tony Fauci had to say, uh, uh, his thoughts on the NFL's ability to have a season. And this happened during a week last week where there were a lot of outbreaks across the country, but also it hit a lot of teams, both on the pro side and across sports, Clemson football uh, and give you a little update where, where we are since then now. So the NFLPA has a recommended against its members working out together as the number of COVID-19 cases increases in many states. As you've seen all across social media, uh, players have been gathering, not even some players that are teammates, but just, you know, you'll see a bunch of high-profile players from different teams all gathering and just getting in the work, trying to do uh, what they would have done under normal circumstances this time of year in mini camps, just get some work. But uh, the now the advice from the PA, the union, is to uh, cease all of that. Also, the NFL uh, sent out a memo uh, that creates tiers of access in its facilities to manage uh, the coronavirus. And you, uh, it breaks down as a tier one, tier two, tier three employees. And it's all designed to, again, limit exposure, limit the chances certain uh, personnel or the need of personnel to get to places where they don't need to be that could cause. It's all trying to control what's happening right now in this world that we live in. Mark Sessler. Well, I mean, I, I know you guys discussed on on last week's emergency pod, which I apologize for, um, you know, not being there at all. Not an emergency being for you, absent. apparently. Well, no, it was not. It did not. It did not ring into the emergency category. You're busy. Me, you're a busy father. I, you know, I was you're doing you're father time. every day, yeah. not just Father's Day. That's right. Um, but I, you know, I thought last week was, and the one of the reasons for that show, among other large news items, was really the first week that I thought that the sport of football was um, remarkably impacted by C nineteen. I mean, that college football specifically, I think, put. You know, we were texting with each other. I put put a lot of alarm, um, an element of alarm into me of what what be going forward. Just, you know, pound ahead to September 10th. Eyes on the prize um, is a little bit um, disconcordant with what's happening around us. And so the NFL responded, I think, appropriately in terms of these practices, these workouts with these players get together, um, cut them off for now because we simply can't. Um, predict what the outcome will be. And the outcomes seem pretty grisly, even just after a little bit of that. The one thing I think gets a little lost in this, and I'll then I'll leave it for you guys, is that <clears throat> it's fine to point out that your average 23-year-old player could have corona and be asymptomatic, never know he had it, and life goes on as normal. That's largely statistically true for a lot of younger people that are vibrant. But, I mean, packed into any NFL team are – probably 15 to 20 people that are in their fifties and sixties, in some case, seventies. So are you going to do, are you going to just march coaches out there of that age? I mean, there's just a lot more to consider that isn't even being discussed. And the one thing I'd say about the league is they seem to be eyeing a number of external factors and sports leagues to see how things continue. 
um, with, by saying very little about what is actually being discussed behind the scenes at this point. I would like to be a, we talk about the fly on the wall segment. I would like to know what they're actually saying about real life and how it is impacting something that used to be four months away. Now it is merely weeks away. If you want to continue this season the way they've talked about, full start, week one, horse blinders on, roll ahead. Hmm. And are, also, are horse blinders on, though? I don't think a horse. I think they're doing a lot of work that they need to do here. And and now they're trying to – what we're seeing now is their action steps. with And now whether it works or not, because we know – uh, for John Harbaugh, as an example, says the plan that they plan to put into place is going to be impossible. Does this tier system, is that going to work? Uh, Mike Florio, PFT, reported the league rem- remains, quote, highly optimistic the 2020 season will go forward as scheduled, but there's less optimism uh, existing now that fans will ever be present at any of the games if they are played. Patrick. So, well, to real quick, to me, that's the that's been the line for three months. That's when I talk about like just saying the same thing over and over. Actions are saying we're stripping practices away. We're stripping mini camps away. We're stripping everything else away. And we had heard from David Tepper, I believe it was two months ago. I mean, time just kind of doesn't really exist during this whole <laughs> uh, thing. But he had said that he saw an opportunity with teams that had outdoor stadiums to have some fans in attendance. And I, I wonder, you know, as the days and weeks have gone on, if he changed that. Uh, but it, it's kind of like the fluctuations of, of NFL policy are built in. Like we heard after we heard from Dr. Fauci last week, uh, Dr. Sills uh, came out and said that the NFL's policies are going to reflect uh, the current advice at the moment. And so if, right. if they if they do need to move to, say, a bubble plan or at least a plan where players and their families are isolated uh, before we even begin uh, trying this, then that's something that they feel like they can implement. And they can go to because, you know, every step of the way there have been changes as we learn more about this virus that we knew nothing about uh, this time last year. And we don't know how players are going to recover. We don't know how Von Miller and his lungs are going to recover playing at high altitude, how that's going to be for players. Right. Uh, There's just so many unknowns. And so all that we really can do is adjust to the unknowns as they come come along, as they become known unknowns and we find out more about what we don't know found out more about what we do know, but we, we just, there's no way to know right now. Right. That's why I, I I'm not overly concerned about the, the public statements. Now, some are going to be more positive than others, but I think being like lacking some definition right now makes some sense to me. It's kind of like the, the school systems around us not putting out their plan for, you know, some parents are like freaked out that there's not any plan for, you know, mid August, late August, school's coming back. It's like make the plan when when there's more information available. Because as we've seen in California, as as we've opened up, you know, stores and the economy and everything, cases have slowly gone up. And there are other places that were in great shape that have NFL teams like Florida, you know, Miami, Arizona, that were in good shape before and and now are in bad shape you know in really bad shape Uh, so things are going to be changing all the time and i I mean i said it the other day i'm not going to keep it it's like it's a cut it's a national problem it's not an nfl problem and the nba is going to be dealing with it mlb is going to be dealing with it if they ever like agree to come back i just think that the bucks players for instance and all this reporting by the way in terms of the tiers that was from adam schefter um, that wasn't, you know, officially out there yet. He also reported some Bucks players and coaches got it. You know, Texans, 
in, in Cowboys we talked about last week had it. And you just see this now across all sports. I mean, the, the numbers of the college football players are what's alarming. Are, it's crazy to me. It's not right. just like a couple on each team. It's like 20 plus per team. Tennis had like one event where they basically didn't, didn't care about any safety at all. Um, you know, and it was uh, in the Balkans, I believe, where there was very little coronavirus. And what happened to two top 25 players tested positive afterwards, and they were just hanging out the whole time, like, in, you know, and that's, and, and that's in a place where there's almost no coronavirus, but people are coming from all over. And that's what this is going to be like with the players too. players are going to be coming from all over the country. So there's just there's like so many <laughs> things to think and about that, that it, it's hard to expect well, one the NFL away, or any, not, any organization to be able to handle or think about all. Do not it. trust anything occurring or coming out of the Balkans. Let's start right there. <laughs> <laughs> In the Florio report, which served as generally an update of where we are now compared to where the reporting and the and what his sources were telling him like a month ago was uh, one source suggested that the rash of positive tests among that Clemson team where there were a ton of guys that tested positive for COVID uh, the exposure most likely happened in a weight room where the air is thick and the athletes are breathing heavily as they exert themselves. It's again, it's just like there's just a lot of theories out there, but that's why this has to be the way it is. And there's so much indecision and uh, it's just we don't know. Then I'm sure the NFL will try to do things to avoid uh, that type of situation in weight rooms. And that's part of the tiering uh, that's reported out there as well. But buckle up. The the, the NFL teams have a universal report date this year of July 28th. So I guess is that makes sense as the next big benchmark. If you if you're curious and everybody is, does this season start on September 10th or whatever is the date? Let's see what happens by the time we get to end of July it's, and do these camps start in time. Well, I would add one little like if you read Alfred Albert Breer's um, you know, Monday morning column, like he talked about the fact that there are coaches out there and they're not, you know, going on the record with their name, but quotes from them saying no, we're we're going to push back. Like there are there is a certain pocket of coaches that simply do not believe the season should start um, on September 10th, based on where we are today. And so I just I wonder if there's going to be there's individual health concerns, there's individual risk taking here, depending on who you are. Um, there's plenty of people in the NFL that have recovered from illnesses, cancer that make them um, more concerned about what they're exposed to. I mean, the idea that you're going to get 100 percent buy in. Um, is the next wave of this, I think. Hmm. All right, let's move on to some football matters. On this very show, we blasted to the sun any storylines and reporting connected to Dak Prescott and his possible extension. Sounded like this. (laughs) Sounded just like that. Uh, And we promised that we would hit the Prescott uh, news when there was real news to discuss. And uh, it looks like we have something uh, because Adam Schefter reported that Dak Prescott is expected to sign his franchise tender today. Monday, the tender is worth $31.4 million. ESPN, uh, ESPN's Ed Warder also reported that Prescott's decision to sign the tender is not an indication that a long-term agreement is close. Uh, but we will see if they get the deal done. They have until July 15th to negotiate a long-term deal. Otherwise, he will play on that one-year $31.4 million tag in 2020. And, Greg, if they, at this point, the leverage continues to build for Prescott because if he plays under that, 
The Cowboys then either have to give him a deal next year or tag him again for almost $38 million potentially uh, in 2021. Either way, Dak's doing well financially. We'll see if this actually leads to a long-term deal. Yeah, till July 15th is the is the key date. I'm confused actually what I can discuss because it has been blasted into the sun. But I know I know this doesn't make um, mm, Clayborn feel comfortable as a closet Cowboys fan. You know, he's try, <laughs> he tries to keep Whoa, this, under, about this. I didn't under know the this. table. I bring it up every once in a while. He gets the closet in the house true? burned down a long time ago. I, 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 don't, I don't understand. Greg likes to make jokes because he's a funny – uh, just a wonderful man, Greg Rosenthal. <laughs> but I, I haven't cared about the Dallas Cowboys in a really okay. long time. Okay. All right. Well, he grew well, up. You grew he, up a Cowboys fan. He grew up one. Well, well my, my college classmate, Demarcus Ware, uh, was drafted by the Cowboys and Bill Parcells. And so I began to follow the team and uh, okay. cheered, cheered on uh, him <laughs> while he was there. Look how uh, uncomfortable some, you made Claybon, Greg. I mean, he's a I'm, guest. On I'm, the extra- show. I'm extraordinarily comfortable. I'm making, making people uncomfortable is how I show affection. Really, that's how I welcome you into that's the true. podcast. But um, that's true. I mean, if if we're concerned about my affinity for Cowboys fans, I could just torch them. Very. Right now. I mean, we could just uh, go ahead and get rid of that. If Cowboys fans like <laughs> Dak Prescott more, who's been a spectacular quarterback for them and an underpaid one since his rookie year, uh, then we wouldn't be having this discussion because he would have been signed a long time ago. It's an indictment of them. And as well as, you know, the people that are going to have to pay him now that they didn't pay him earlier. And so that's, that's that's their mistake. That's it's a great point. I haven't heard about the DAC thing. It is really weird to me that there's a split in Cowboys fans uh, uh, of whether they're pro DAC or not, which it does seem a little crazy. It seems a little crazy from the outside. Spoiled brats is what they are. It's happening in Philadelphia, too. I mean, there's there's been this weird split with Carson Wentz, and it's like two quarterbacks that I would be, if you didn't have a quarterback, I'd be happy with one of the, either one of those guys in a second. I mean, turn the clock Uh, back. Let's just turn the clock back to 2015. If I told you guys the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys would lead the NFL in passing and wouldn't get voted into the Pro Bowl, uh, how how would you react to that? (laughs) It doesn't make much sense. I'd blame Jerry Jones. In other semi-Cowboys news, uh, Jet safety Jamal Adams, who talked about it on the Thursday night show, he wants out and he wants an extension, either or. He's listed eight teams that he want to be traded to, this is from Rap Sheet, uh, without needing a new deal, even while he has demanded an extension from his current team, the Jets. Uh, among those teams is the Dallas Cowboys, and there was a uh, little video clip that went viral over the weekend of – Adams, who's a Texas native, driving his SUV uh, in Dallas, and a guy from the street called out, "You know, come to the Dallas," and and he said, "I'm trying to." Uh, so that's where we are in this situation. I guess I'm I'm confused. Do, do you think he wants, in terms of clarity on this one, I would like to know if he wants just out of out of New York, straight up. Or does he want the money from New York? If the, the Jets caved to his demands right now and offered him the deal that he wants, would he take it? Or is it to a situation now where he wouldn't take it and he wants out of town? That's that's the next part of the story uh, and the story I'm really enjoying uh, and how it will play out. <laughs> I think he would take the money. I mean, if they offered him a... Uh, a truly market setting safety deal. I think that's the case, but I think both can be true. I think he, there's probably some sense that he also wants out. Uh, if, you know, if things were close to being equal, he likes the idea of maybe moving on or else I don't think we would have heard all of this stuff coming from his agent 
last year in in the first place. Ian, our guy, Rap Sheet, said the Jets' plan is to kind of hold tight. I mean, they're not planning to do anything. So uh, that's I think it's going to be a lot of noise and not a lot of action in this one. I mean, Jane Slater, who, you know, it, I, I can't think of anyone that's put on more tedious storylines. Um, it is a it's a highly marketable <laughs> team, but to deal with Dak in the middle of this offseason and this, that money. this drama. Well, I mean, she she also covers it well. Reading, I mean, she basically tweeted this morning that there is now a trust issue between the Jamal Adams and the Jets, which is the first sign of, um, you know, they're not going to be together long. Now, I agree with Greg. If they threw out a ton of money, um, everyone will get real poetic and happy with each other real quick, potentially. But I mean, it seems like anything that Jamal Adams or anyone of safety is doing right now is for money because you're not going to probably get this contract down the road. It's a tough position to get paid at. It reminds me a little bit of Earl Thomas, um, some shadings of that. But he's also from Dallas. And I think that that calling out to the guy with the phone, I think if you wanted to say, what is Jamal Adams? What is he from like a heart level? Where would he like to be preferably? It would not be the Jets. If the Jets want to keep them there like jet teams like the jets have to do it's going to have to come through um they'll lose control at some point in a major contract if they had made him the offer that that he wanted then we wouldn't be having the conversation right the the whole the whole point that he's not happy is that he doesn't feel like they are going to offer him what he wants now and he doesn't feel like they're going to be willing to offer him what he wants or what he's worth when the time comes at the end of his rookie contract and so it's like in terms of being happy he wants to be compensated. I mean, he could like the facility. He could like the people around him. He could like the the wait staff, the cafeteria people. But <laughs> if he's not going to get paid uh, what he would like to be paid for playing a game that's pretty violent, then why wouldn't he want to try to do that somewhere else? I think just uh, a sucky scenario for Jets fans because how many guys can you point to on the roster over the last 10 years? You can say, this is a generational talent. Um, this is who you buy the jersey of. And then he can't stop being frankly like just a hyper nuisance like just he's he's easily my top in my top five most annoying athlete mm. that i never want to hear from again right now and it has nothing to do with the player did he's he float his player. Own, did he float his own trade rumors last year was that was that of his doing i mean the jets picked up the phone as so far as we know. i mean in terms of like the news cycle that i mean that's coming from florin park that that wasn't necessarily I, Jamal I also Adams. enjoyed enjoyed that he um, livened up our Super Bowl hotel with like a Wednesday afternoon, um, <laughs> you know, pool party it's while we were having a meeting. That doesn't I, happen. I, 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 thought in all sincerity. I mean, if that he's going sincerity. to Dallas, he better learn how to run a pool party with with more pizzazz than that one. He was barely. I mean, he that it was. was like, that was, thing got like a D minus in like it was an A cloudy plus setting. and it was like eleven thirty AM on a Tuesday. They <laughs> I did mean, what they could. we all remember the the crowd or surrounding. That looked him. like a lot of fun to me. I, right. I, I, I could have found a way to enjoy the situation. I think. It wasn't <laughs> um, that was one of the great all time around the NFL moments in terms of surrealness. Um, <laughs> us four average bros just sitting at this table poolside planning out some show as uh, Jamal Adams and friends just went nuts about 50 yards away, uh, enjoying the highlight. Well, Erica's, I, parents, know, Erica's parents wandering over to investigate the party. I gave great. them a lot of credit. They were they went for it. And I love Erica's dad is like, Erica, come back on a second here. Erica's dad, who is, you know, the most New England person I've ever met, right down to the 
the shorts with the Nantucket reds. The, yeah. Right? Yeah. And those, those boat shoes and the collared shirt and the whole, the polo shirt and everything. Him just like wandering through the background of the Jamal Adams pool party is something, <laughs> not an image that will leave my mind uh, soon. My dad was like, who is this guy? I'm going to go over there. It's like, oh my God, dad, please. Future Dallas Cowboys safety. <laughs> I wonder how much um, from a macro standpoint on this, and I'm remove. I'm going to try to remove myself now as a Jets fan and all that, and just talk about the rookie wage scale, which uh, was a, uh, negotiated and agreed upon in 2011 uh, when they did the collective bargaining agreement. And if you are a superstar out of the gate, like a Jalen Ramsey, um, like a Patrick Mahomes, like a Christian McCaffrey, like a Jamal Adams. The wage scale, which, Greg, you're you're better at this with the details and the history of it than I was. Uh, but in the old days, if you were a top flight rookie or a first round pick, you got a huge contract and you were making a lot of more than established NFL guys. And this rectified it on on so on on a large level um, because now these guys were locked into contracts and the money was not that big until you got to the fifth year option as a first round pick. Are we now seeing as time goes on that that system is just not going to work because these guys understand that they've greatly outplayed this contract that is locked in? And is that potentially down the road? Uh, I guess the CBA has already agreed to. I guess it's not something yep. that was uh, brought up. But yeah, I'm just curious how much of that uh, down the road or right now is becoming a bigger and bigger issue in the NFL. No, it was a problem for the players and they have changed it. I mean, probably I, I don't think they changed it enough, um, but the, Jamal Adams is still on this old CBA. I think the rookies ultimately they went too far in the other direction. Um, right. That now That's these rookie contracts are are they're too undervalued. Now they did make a pretty big change, where the fifth year option for the first round picks is more about your performance. So it, it's not slotted based on if you were taken twenty fourth or you were taken fifth. It's more about how many Pro Bowls you made, which gets a little hazy too. And and mm. some performance structures. And so we'll see that change. I think next year, actually, this might be the last year that, that the players are kind of in the old, old system, unless uh, Claybon, you wanted to correct me there, but even no, then with the right. changes in the pro bowls, I don't think it's, I don't think they went far enough. And I think similar issues are basically going to happen anyways. Yeah. We, we kind of tend to, okay. oh, no, okay. no, I was just going to say, we, no, no. We, treat, we treat those sometimes like unintended consequences. I, I think, you know, the system was performing exactly as it was designed. Uh, right. That was the, that was the plan. Players. That was the plan to help teams keep these superstars, basically. And the fifth year option is not a killer, but, um, you know, for a player like Jamal Adams, it does make that free agency seem a little too far away. In other news, the statue of former Redskins owner George Preston Marshall was removed from outside RFK Stadium on Friday morning. Events DC, and this is an important distinction. Events DC is in charge of RFK Stadium. They removed the statue. The Redskins play now at FedEx Field over in Landover in a whole different area, a different state. Um, and uh, they had nothing to do with this. But the Events DC decided to take down the statue. And George Preston Marshall, if you're not aware, uh, he was the founding owner of the Redskins. They were the Boston Braves originally, and then he changed them uh, to the Bo- to the Redskins. They moved to D.C., which is where the guy was from, and he is, to use modern parlance, a prob- problematic figure. He was <laughs> the last owner to integrate 
um, players and allow black players to join his team. In fact, um, Patrick, he was so he he was so dug in under this. He he had a, a famous quote that I'll have a black player on my team when the Harlem Globetrotters um, have a white player on their team. And it was only when he got to D.C. and the RFK Stadium lease potentially would have been voided if he didn't integrate that. He went ahead and the team started allowing black players on the team. So his statue, he gone. Yeah. Whenever you have a racism section on your Wikipedia um, people should probably <laughs> uh, look out for your statue uh, in our current right. climate, as people like to say, where, um, where I guess there's a large population out there that that is willing to take up their issues with white supremacy with uh, people who have statues. And so, um, yeah, if you got a racism, uh, you know, section, you might you might want to watch out. I mean, they there it, it goes on a few levels, they're they're also replacing his name, which was inside the stadium, sort of on a Ring of Honor type of deal. That the team is removing that and replacing it with with Bobby Mitchell, who was the first black player to play for the Redskins and was a great player. It was actually they only got him in a trade because the the first black player they drafted, Ernie Davis, said, "I'm not playing for that SOB. <laughs> I'm not playing for George Preston Marshall." And they ended up, you know, they ended up getting Bobby Mitchell. So he's dug in, and you know, it brings up, um, you know, a topic that's been brought up a lot more lately, which is, you know, will the team change their name? And he is the guy who named their team, you know. And I think that you have to consider that context in the in the idea of this team name, which, you know, we we've battled about on this show. It was like five years ago. I feel like was the last time we talked about it, but I, I think it's rightly getting some momentum to, to change the team name again, too. Well, I mean, it, you know, and that starts with the, the owner right there. I mean, who, who came out strongly grew up a fan of the team and, and is strongly um, at that time, at least uh, wanted to stick with it. You haven't heard much buzz, buzz. Otherwise the idea that this, statue removed individual went 16 years um, before adding an African-American player to his team, 16 years that everything he experienced in life and how our country changed, he was unswayed by that. Um, tells me all I need to know about whether well, or not Bobby statue- Kennedy got involved. He like, they, they issued an ultimatum. The only reason they did it is because the government issued an ultimatum said, you're not getting our tax money or whatever it was, or tax breaks. Unless and the lease, it, it had to do with the <laughs> RFK stadium, which at the time uh, it was DC stadium, but it was owned federally. It was a federally owned uh, piece of land that it sat on. And that, that spurred the action more than anything else. And it, that's why I said at the beginning of this, it is important to note that the Redskins didn't pull down that statue. It was that it was the landowner of RFK Stadium. So to connect the dots there and say that, okay, they took down the statue of the Redskins. What's coming next? Well, that doesn't necessarily right. Dive there are no here dots That's in this the situation. Problem. Right. Um, all right. Moving on. Oh, Dallas Goddard. Oh, got got in a bar, a sucker punch. Uh, while at a, a dimly lit and there was video that went out run around on social media because everything is on video now. Um, and it was an incident at a South Dakota bar. He was kind of in a verbal. You couldn't really tell whether he was in a verbal confrontation with another guy or he was trying to talk down a guy, calm down a guy. It wasn't really clear. Um, but what was clear was that, hang on, I got a call from Texas. Hang on. This could be the Gatesville messenger. Oh, pick it up. 
Please be. Hello? Be on speakerphone. It's uh, Mr. Hansis. Yes. Yeah, uh, this is Mark Gitson with Gateful Messenger. Hey, what's up, Mark? Are you there? Oh, no. Uh. Are you there, Mark? All right. I lost him. You might. But that's a great You might sign. have experienced some weird feedback issues. I've noticed if there's Certainly a phone with the with the mic, I, I have experienced that. Oh, I mean, this overall, is huge. a positive sign, though. I mean, he's not no. calling to ask if you uh, subscribe to the paper to, while you're here for two weeks. <laughs> oh, this is huge. This is oh, this momentous. Is exciting. <laughs> All right. Let's see. If, oh, he's calling back. It almost right. feels staged. <laughs> it almost is, but it is not. Hang on one second. Dan Hansis. Yes, uh, Mark gets from the Gatesville Messenger. Hey, Mark, what's up? Sorry I got disconnected there. How you doing? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I just got the note that uh, you're going to be doing a podcast from Gatesville this Friday. I am. Yes, I'm very excited. It's actually where it's our NFL Network show, um, the Around the NFL show, and I'll be doing my portion of the program from uh, John Ward's office, which we're very excited about. John Ward? Mm-hmm, of the, his insurance company right there uh, on the Main Street area there. Okay. What time are you going to be there? Um, I have to figure out the timing on it, but it will probably be in the early afternoon window, like 12 to 3 in that zone. I could get back to you with like details once I have it hammered out. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I might come over there and maybe try to get a photo of you when you're in town. Get a photo. That's good. Excellent. <laughs> you still there? I mean, it sounds <laughs> like the makings of a vibrant Q&A, uh, if nothing else. Well, the I think that's what's we're on fire right now. This is a right great now, situation. Imagine the scene of Wolf of Wall Street as Leo's <laughs> on the phone trying to coax someone into buy a penny stock, and Dan's <laughs> Dan's looking at all of us, putting his fists in the air, like selling it, like as he's talking, like oh my god. I like he's, he I'm, mentions a note was put on his desk. I wonder, you know, I just wonder who wrote the note, where it's coming from. They're just, you know, there's probably. A, a story on the story itself at some point here. If he calls back, I'm going to have to jump away because I think there is some type of a connection issue. But uh, all right, that's huge. And the photographer, he's sending a photographer over or it's uh, him. Doesn't I, I, think he's, I think he's just going to take the picture. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I, don't yeah. Think they, I don't think they're outsourcing that. Oh, don't, photographer. Uh, I know I'm not in your L.A. Narnia, Greg, but don't try to take this moment away. Uh, they fired all the photographers out here, too. I got an interview. And now all I need is the front page. You know, I, I like I've, I've, I've been exploring the Gatesville Messenger, and I, I feel like <laughs> if you can't get the front page, it would be time for some soul searching. There is, while there are a couple hot take uh, farming you. updates. You know what? Uh, that's that's bad, too, because you're trying to set it up. Like, if I don't get it, it will be something to to somehow attack me for. No, don't it would be. Take away but you also moment. said you weren't I mean, going to do it unless you got the, you, the requirements. Is, right. So that, you've mentioned that was yourself, you. So. That was you putting that out there. You know, envy is an ugly look on both of you guys. I got to tell you something. I, I Listen, you know, I after scaling not a great paper, I'm not sure envious is where I'm coming. You from. know what I the just, worst I, part of it is? I, I feel I could sense you guys rooting for me not to be on the front page, which I know all the listeners want me on the front page. I want you on the I front page. I want you on the same thing for you guys. I, I, I something do too. bad didn't happen. 
right? If you, if you get on the front page and everything was good in Gatesville. All right. I got to call this guy back real quick. All right, I just I just got off the phone uh, with the guy from the Gatesville Messenger. I'm very excited, uh, but let's I'll tell you guys more about it later. Let's continue to do the news because we only have a finite amount of time with the great Patrick Claybound, who's going to be on NFL Network as he is always. He's back from paternity leave and rocking it. You're doing the NFL now, right? Just all the time now, right? Uh, yeah, just the uh, the updates, the old school, the old girl school that brought update, me. Man. <laughs> All right, let, let me get into this. So the Dallas Goddard, the very good Eagles tight end, he got sucker punched at a South Dakota bar and security video, which was floating around the, the web um, at the zoo bar in Aberdeen. It's a blow that he got hit. And as soon as by the time he got to the ground, he was already out a nasty shot. Apparently he's doing well and that's good. And there was an arrest made in connection with this incident. Um, terrible. I do. I am curious, guys. Have you ever been in an altercation like this? Have you ever been sucker punched? Have you ever been in a, a, a bar brawl? I'm just curious. Been in one bar brawl. Um, did not play an active role. Was sucker punched um, in the year 1998 on a sidewalk in Boulder <laughs> at about 1:21 in the morning by kind of a. It was a truly drunken, crazy twenty-something rushing um, up the boardwalk and his friend was trying to control him. And I was barely paying attention, but I was sitting on, you know, a little stone sidewalk thing. And the guy just like leveled me with a right hook, just as my friend um, Kiwi was picking me up. And we, I got right in the car and we rushed the off. Problem? What? Hanging with a guy's name, Kiwi. It sounds like trouble. Well, his name is John. We, he was from New Zealand. Oh. But, um, you know, we, had he not arrived, I'm not sure what would have happened to me. I mean, it, it, hmm. I couldn't see out of my right eye for like the first 10 minutes after Ooh. that. Play, play healed, healed. Um, you look great. I was, I was about eight years old, and I was fishing on a golf course uh, in Birmingham, Alabama, and somebody came behind me and pushed me in randomly and ran off. Um, I <laughs> Got back out. Ever since then, I've kept my head on a swivel from uh, with regards to people, and so I've I have not been hit. I, I have not been hit. I have struck people, but uh, I have never been hit since I was eight years old. Hmm. But you have struck people. Have you sucker punched someone? No, they're always looking. <laughs> okay, good. Good. You don't seem like a sucker punch guy, so that would have been surprising. What about you, Greg? You no, no. Up down uh, there, Tulane, getting loose. It was in hockey fights, but that never counted. Usually, you know, I had your gloves on. You were like nine years old and stuff. I played some hockey when I was a kid. But uh, I was, you know, I've told this story. on. I've been on the outskirts of many fights, but I never, I've never jumped into the fray. And I did go, you know, to Orleans Paris prison for a night uh, for being kind of on the outskirts of a fight. But Bad but all, all truth, I neither received nor delivered a punch, which probably doesn't shock you. I wish Wes was here because he'd have some great stories. Yeah, he would. One really, I've avoided uh, being involved with fights uh, for the most part. I had one scary incident uh, when I was is also on a sidewalk outside of bar. Mark, I was with a girl, and we had never our relationship was kind of in a weird place, and we had never been outwardly um, showing signs of being a couple. But in this one instance, we were holding hands and walking up the sidewalk, and. 
at that moment, I didn't even see it coming. Someone, because we were walking up the sidewalk. I still remember exactly where it was. It was Main Street in Nyack, New York. And someone going down the street will full force push me in the chest at, at such a uh, such a level of power that it threw me. And I'm not a little guy threw me into the street, off the sidewalk, into the street. And I don't even know where it came from. And I look up and I'm looking around and it's this giant dude and then three or four of his friends. And the giant dude is screaming at the girl I was with because she broke up with him. And I guess I was the first boyfriend or something since. <laughs> and. He was so enraged just seeing me holding her hand. And I thought I that was it. I thought I was going to get beaten to death like like a soprano scene. Unfortunately, the girl I was with basically screaming at him, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And then his buddies who had a chance, had a choice to make in that one moment. And it was a, it turned out to be a key thing in my life. They could have stopped me into into unconsciousness or they could have kind of gotten behind uh, what the girl was saying and st- got the guy out of there. That's what happened. Otherwise, I would have been dead. These guys are all big mm. meatheads. I will never forget. It's the closest I ever came to getting a, an ass whooping. And I hope to never be in that situation. And I hope my sons are never in that situation because my whole life was a coin flip at that point. Mm. Woo. <laughs> Yikes. It was a sucker push is what it was. Yeah. That's why flip flops. I jumped up and I was like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> I did the old like, hey, what's up with this? <laughs> but I knew I was dead. The guy one on one would have taken me out, and he had three of his like meathead buddies anyway. Well, that's like mm. when you look at the Dallas Goddard hit. Get well I soon, mean, Dallas. It was the punch like it was messed up through the it's air. It was insane. I don't know what was going on in that bar beforehand, or um, who I know in South South Dakota, no one's wearing a mask apparently, but they were all swilling beers and having a good old time. When they say he was there with. Um, his family, I, I don't know. I didn't see moms and aunts there, but I don't know what family members it was. We'll, we'll wait for more tape. Hey, Patrick, you're not uh, your uncle is married to your aunt. OK, we have another aunt person. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. Oh. <laughs> I'm an aunt person. Patrick. Hmm. Damn. Look at me. Look at me in trouble on the ropes again. Get another push right to the center of the chest into the street. The old Zeuser. Patrick Claybon, we wish you could stay on for the whole show, but we really did dilly dally today. And then we got that huge news from the messenger, uh, which further threw us off schedule. So uh, uh, we wish you had you for the whole show, but we'll take what we had today, which was the news. And you brought it as always. You said it all. I appreciate it, guys. Appreciate you. Y'all have a good one. Before right, we good say goodbye, I'm going to tell at least our listeners, Claybon can leave, but they should check out the, the video uh, that he posted uh, over the weekend. He's an editor now, too. I don't know if you guys saw that on uh No, on tell me like, more. Like a 10-minute video. He said a lot of people have been asking for his um, thoughts over the last couple weeks over and then in his words last you know about what's happened the last couple weeks and 500 years and he edited a, a video all voiced and written by him it's about 10 minutes long i think he has it put it on youtube wow. it's on twitter too it's worth checking out all right make sure you check that out i will be checking that out uh all right there goes patrick that's what's happening in the news oh i will never forget that it was like the force of the earth had crashed into my chest I think it's good to go through something like that, though. I mean, you don't want to suffer um, permanent peril, but, you know, shake you, shake you, shake the cobwebs out a little bit, as the old football coach used to say. I could have used the Kiwi in that situation. Ricky, you ever get you ever get mixed up in some type of girl fight or guy fight? Never a girl fight, but I did get punched in the head by a dude at a frat party once. 
intentionally but it's sucker it was sucker punch it was like we were going into the frat because one of my friends like was in the frat so we would skip the line and like all the girls in their like little skirts out in the winter like trying to get in we just like (laughs) walk right by them to get in and then these two dudes tried to like jump in with us to come in and then two of the frat dudes were like hey bro like you're not with them and then all of a sudden one of them swung over me and one of my friend and the next thing I know there was like 10 frat guys in this little foyer and I like got like slammed in the head and I was like how did I just get punched like going to my friend's room but I did Dan, you notice that um, Greg says nothing because he was in a frat and he's like, that's just the life. Like, you know, you're living that (laughs) frat life back then. the same thing. I wasn't in one, so I couldn't tell you what goes on behind closed doors, but Greg knows. That's the cost of doing business, isn't it, Greg? That would never, that would never occur. Uh, That's, that's shameful. (laughs) Yes. All right. Let's move on. Uh, Greg, Mark Sessler wrote a banger. It's, it's not yet up on the website, but I'm sure if you, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, as opposed to the original taping date of Monday, uh, it should be up on the old dot com. It is your favorite broadcasting teams of all time. And that's a good one, Mark. And I read the copy and I could tell, I could always tell Mark with you. And you're writing. So you're such a gifted writer. But I beyond just your ability to string together sentences and uh, put pages out, as the great Dave Damashek would say, I could tell when you're passionate about what you're writing about. In this case, I could feel it. You're into this assignment, which makes for an excellent piece. Well, I mean, I think you got I, was, I don't we've never really talked about this, but half our job or a part of our job is writing. And like um, I felt like a, a little guilty almost this off season. Cause we've all been doing a lot of writing, but I, I just have not, I feel like writing with kids around and um, there, there's this thing that I see on YouTube and it's this like acclaimed um, writer. I don't know who it is because I never track it close up. And he says the key to um, writing is avoiding interruptions. And we're writing during a time when you're getting interrupted, like every four or five seconds by a small person or someone in your house needing something. And so stringing together these articles have, have has been a chore. This is the one that I asked for um, the rare, like, one day extension on because I wanted to not, I felt at one point, I just felt like I had not, I had hit like C minus territory. And I'm not saying it's risen above that, but like you ever just need an extra day to put a little bit more of yourself in something. Um, and so sure. I turn it in feeling like this is one of the few that I care about the topic. I know you guys care about, I've never talked to people about announcers more than with you two and Wes than anyone. So I know you <laughs> yeah. care about it too. And um, I, this is my list. I would love to hear guys that maybe are on here, not that you like to. Hmm. Well, yeah. Where do, where do you want to start on this, Mark? Because um, you, you listed, uh, what was the list? What was the number of uh, teams you it's, have here? So it's 10 duos and it's not, I, you always have to make it like clear in like a billion size bolded font. It is not my list of the 10 best. It's, it's a couple on here, totally different, but I'll, I'll start with somewhere that maybe goes a little bit. Um, when I got into football in the, in like 86, 87, really deep into it, maybe a little bit before your time, but you certainly know these guys like, cause they were around Don Crickey and Bob Trumpy to me. Um, to me, they were the voices of the old AFC Central. And I mean, they covered the AFC exclusively for NBC back when they had that, con- that that was their deal and their conference. And I just think that Don Crickey, when I was starting to fall in love with mm. the idea of broadcasting, and I was like the nerd that would walk around with like um, 
in my wallet, like, you know, ProSet put out these football cards that branched into all sorts of things. And they had announcer cards. And I would just like have announcer cards in my wallet because <laughs> I thought this is what I want to do. But I would t- take the old VCR and tape Cricky and Trumpies um, announcing a Browns games and Bengals games and all sorts of stuff from the AFC. And I thought that Cricky, who was a announced football for 47 consecutive years from 67 to 2013 is one of the more unheralded play-by-play guys out there because he wasn't, I, you know what I cannot stand is the robotic play-by-play guy that has zero personality. And, and I think because some of the schools churning these people out, you get a lot of that. They're technically proficient, but there's nothing behind the robotic perfect voice. Cricky brought that and he and Trumpy were a perfect pair. And I think Wes would have a lot to say on this because Trump Trumpy's the old, um, Cincy guy from the Bengals. He he had incredible Bengals knowledge. And Trumpy just would get on these. Um, he would get very agitated during games. He would see something the team was doing that they didn't correct at halftime. And, you know, he didn't just go in with one of these, I've got four or five points I want to make about the Jets. And no matter what happens in the game, that's the points I'm going to make. He would let the game wind on and get super charged up about what he was seeing on the field and maximize back then um, pre-snap replays and stuff to make. I would really learn from these two guys. And I'd go back and watch their broadcast over and over. And they had a huge impression on me on what a duo meant when you had two Mm. people announcing where they fit together and you couldn't imagine them with with anyone else. Cricky is one of those guys. I I almost feel bad that and this is it's unfair that sometimes you remember the end of the career and right. and you're right. Those, those days thinking back that, that AFC, I love the CBS package in general um, back then, but I remember Cricky mostly from when I started covering the league, which is, you know, Oh three. And like you said, he had done it for 47 years and that's unfortunate because he was, he was like an all time great. And that that's the reason why you, you can only stick around for 50 years. If you're an all time great, it's kind of like Dick Stockton who occasionally I've gotten in, uh, gotten on, um, you know, on our podcast or whatever, but it's like the only reason he's still on after 50 years, probably past when he, when he really should be, to, to be honest, is because he was so good. And because he, he has made a fan of, of so many people inside and outside of broadcasting. You have Al Michaels, of course, who I still think is the best there is. And he's with Chris Collinsworth on NBC now, of course, and Michelle Tafoya also is a part of the broadcast. Uh, he's been doing this for so long that you could pick different eras of Al Michaels, and you do have that in your piece. You have the Collinsworth-Michaels team, but also the Michaels, Gifford, and Dan Deardorff era, which is really kind of in the prime of my youth watching football. Hey, Ricky, do you have the... Brian Bosworth uh, play uh, when Bo ran him over on Monday Night Football. (laughs) And if you're in Seattle, you can't wait till he leaves. Third and one from the two. Here's Bo. And here goes Bo for the touchdown. He and Bosworth one-on-one, and Jackson just jumps him into the end zone. I suggest a handicap of 18. How about 20 pounds? (laughs) <laughs> I like that. It's kind of understated, but also that that reverberated that moment, especially when we were dealing with like a true monoculture and everyone is watching the same broadcast and there's no Twitter and people are just plugged in to see Bosworth get Bosworth get tuned up like that. Michael's call uh, will always be synonymous with Bo Jackson ruling the world in that moment. Yeah, I mean, I I'm glad that the clip 
and I don't mean to be overly um, harsh here, but that the clip included Michaels, who is uh, the best at play-by-play, um, and Gifford, who, you know, people were hot and cold on Gifford, but Gifford, to me, brought this, um, I wouldn't have used the, the word then, but regality to the role. He was just sort of football history um, right there in front of you, and he did Monday Night Football with so many different teams. I mean, none of us saw in in real time him working with Cosell, but there are a lot of stories about when they got Cosell and Don Meredith out of the booth, that when it was Michaels and Gifford together, that Gifford could kind of breathe and um, it wasn't so much conducting a circus, but uh, Deardorff rubbed me the wrong way. And I, it's funny that um, I would have the <laughs> same opinion of him then that I do now that uh, I think he was a good person. And like, there's nothing about, I don't know anything about him personally, but the humor to me um, was clunky and basic from Deardorff. And he often just got on my nerves. And that, I think that's like, to me, chemistry is uh, kind of rings through each of my picks here. Gifford and Michaels had it. Deardorff was fine and he did things well, but um, there were often times when I wondered why the three-man booth had to exist, that I think they're very challenging. And unless you've knocked the three-man booth out of the park, um, it can be problematic. In this case, two of the three um, were perfect to me. Right. So the three-man booth with like Buck, Aikman, and Collinsworth. I actually really like that booth for the most part, Collinsworth and uh, Aikman together. But it's like ultimately they're both better apart. I always like kind of the early Collinsworth. Um you know, his, his track, I think he was with NBC at one, he, he moved around. He was NBC and then Fox and then back to NBC. Uh, he was always one of my favorites. And then it's hard to not have these convos without talking Madden and Summerall. Cause to me, that was it. I mean, it's not just, you know, Summerall in, in, in the style, but it was the love of the game that Madden and his enthusiasm that he had that to me is the best part of any announcer. You got to have the knowledge, but you have to have the love. And that's why, Romo reminds me so much of John Madden. It's like I read all of John Madden's books as like a 10 year old, just because John Madden seemed like so enthusiastic and so understandable that he made you love the sport like as much as he did. And I love announcers, even if they're not like the cleanest or even if they lack a little knowledge, you can make up you can make up for it with like enthusiasm and love for the game. They were a unique to, team, too, when you think about it. And, I, and maybe you guys can point one out that I'm missing. But Summerall was an NFL great in his own right. Um, he played in the league, and he was the play-by-play guy. So you had a play-by-play guy in Summerall who went back years uh, as a player and uh, you know lived and breathed the sport. Madden, obviously, one of the great coaches of, of all time and had that gift for gab. And you said that chemistry, it's all about chemistry. Everything's about chemistry, whether you're talking about uh, in the booth, doing a podcast, um, a radio show, uh, in so many things in life, but especially in this business. And I always think about I'll never um, not get a kick out of uh, the little inside joke that Summerall and Madden had between themselves about the CBS program Murder, She Wrote, that had a comma after murder. And then Summerall always just loved to put an extra pause in there to represent the comma. And he did it for nobody else but for Madden because there were two buddies who just – it was like we have that on our show, a bunch of inside jokes that sometimes bubble up on the service in the broadcast and sometimes they don't. Uh, But let's listen a little bit that because I love hearing Summerall doing his Murder, She Wrote. 60 minutes will be coming up following football, followed by murder, she wrote. We have bets on how long it's going to be between 
murder and she. And it got longer and longer. Then it's murder. She wrote. Angela <laughs> I, I love, love it. it. I think, you I know, like, it. well, one thing I was going to say that, I mean, I can you, if you, someone said to you just at any moment um, in your head, think about the voice of uh, Pat Summerall, you could do it. And I, another guy that I think of that, um, that I put on the list, because I think radio is such a different chore. And one of the reasons that, you know, we can play that Bo Jackson call and it, you're kind of thinking there could have been more there. Um, because it's television and you're watching the images, but I, I have memories and I'm sure you guys do of like just driving around with, with my dad and listening to Jack Buck, um, father of Joe Buck. And he was teen with Hank Stram, who my memory of Hank Stram is a, a little less defined, but they were excellent partners. And every, anyone who's ever worked with Jack Buck talks about the fact that Jack Buck, um, on top of being like literally maybe the best, uh, sports broadcaster ever, uh, would work effort like tirelessly to make his partner look good, that he was the perfect partner. But his voice, and like, I mean, I just remember driving around, uh, you know, in the old days, listening to him announce like a Giants-Packers game. And uh, it became the kind of thing where, it's along the, the point of Murder, she wrote, that I loved his ad reads as much as anything else. Just this <laughs> iconic voice reading, um, you know, a copy for a can of like Campbell's Soup, but then I know, and Ricky, I think we had this call too. He could do the football thing too. Here is what happened when the Bills encountered the Giants in Super Bowl 25. Norwood assumes the position. Lingner waits to snap it. We wait. There's a snap. There's a kick. It is up. It is no good. No one missed. Four seconds left. The Giants have won Super Bowl 25 by the score of 20 to 19. Yeah, he and he's like, and and his son is followed in his footsteps. I I have so much respect for guys that do different sports because it's become more and more specialized. Just like the NFL, you've become more and more specialized as a player. The you don't see announcers that cross over. Jack Buck has. He's the voice of the Cardinals. Uh, he was a legend. He called Kirk, Gu- Kirk Gibson's home run in the 88 World Series. He had the Ozzie Smith uh, touch them all. Ozzie, you'll never hit a, a bigger home run than that or whatever the exact quote was. But he is a guy that spanned across the sports. And they, to me, I, I, have no, I can't have a higher level of respect in that industry for the guy that can do it both ways. Like, Joe, like his son, Joe who doesn't get enough love, and you have him on the list here with Troy Aikman, um, and his ability to seamlessly go between baseball and football, and I think he even does some golf now. I'm not sure. Uh, but he's like one of those rare dudes, too. He deserves more respect, Buck. Yeah, it, that reminds me of Kevin Harlan, too. I, I cheated, and uh, you know we, we all love Kevin Harlan, and I cheated and looked at some old broadcast teams. I got to remember, I don't totally remember the Kevin Harlan, Jerry Glanfill number three uh, team on Fox for like five years, but that sounds amazing. I. Like I probably wasn't get, <laughs> I wasn't getting those games, you know, because we didn't have direct TV. Um, but like, that's how long that you know, Kevin Harlan's been doing it and he can go. And I think basketball might even be his best sport. That's how good he is. Is he, um, but that's like a, that's a memorable team. The, the other one, um, that I wanted to hear you talk about. Who, who who else do you want to talk about? Actually, while we're running out of time. Well, no, who do you want? Who do you want to bring up? They Ron can read Pippen. the article. 
Ron Pitts was like this one, one guy I always really liked. And I always liked that Dr. Z got it. He was like, he was kind of like almost the Mike Mayock of his day, uh, who was super tape nerdy. And like, as just like a young fan, like he, he had like the fourth or fifth team, but uh, sometimes he'd have the Patriots games uh, when, when he was on, uh, you know, the NFC. I, I don't know. I, it's your column. It's your column. Well, I mean, I, I, the, <laughs> I, I like the Ron Pitts. That's a nice callback. I, the last group, because I, I, I pained over writing like the Joe Buck, um, Troy Aikman thing, because I don't like sit around during broadcasts and like fire off tweets destroying these people. I just because I remember I had this memory of an, um, the first our high school at a television station that aired on like this lost cable channel out in the middle. No, you know, 12 people were watching it, but they had me announce um, gymnastics as my first ever assignment. And like, um, I, you know, waited at the bus stop with this girl named Christine Leparati, who was a gymnast. And I was like, Hey, I got to announce like your meet tonight. Um, how long is it? And what I never watched gymnastics. And she's like, you're in a lot of trouble. Like, uh, it's a lot of downtime. It's about four and a half hours long. And I don't have time before the bus arrives to explain everything that we do. And like, it was a four hour horror show. I mean, that reduced me to like, girl, look at that girl jumping over that piece of plastic. Um, she did a very nice job with that. And there's parents sitting around thinking, who is the freak sitting over there putting this on tape? Point being, I think it just embedded in me this, um, I'm not going to go out and kill announcers left and right. right. And I don't get the hate for, I, I can see that Joe Buck might rub people a few a few people the wrong way, but. Back in the, the idea day, I think the tide think, has turned. Yeah. I mean, just think that to Dan's point, like the idea that you're announcing like the biggest Bills football game um, that's hot in the middle of like late October, then the next day you're announcing World Series. Like I, I don't know, he announces first NFL game at 25. Well, I was getting sucker punched in Boulder on the street at at 25. So I have admiration for the fact that like yes, it, he, there is an element of nepotism that he's going to always have to answer for, but he's not like talentless. He is extremely technically good. And so I kind of wanted to stick up for that team because I Aikman, I just like having in my life um, from a football sense too. So, you know, the haters go find something else to do. Matt Mellon was the guy I was, Ooh, I love it. (laughs) Matt Mellon was the guy I was trying to think of. I loved the fact that he would get the top game a lot of times at 1 PM and then it'd be Matt and, and Summerall. And no, even though I was like an AFC guy, it was, it was Millen and Stockton and Millen is, is an all time great broadcast. He really is. And so now he's doing college and like he, he's healthy again. It's, it's too bad. People kind of remember him as the GM when he was like an incredible player uh, who was documented in some incredible books too, by George Plimpton and an incredible broadcaster. It's like that, that's what he should be remembered for. All right. And let me just clean it up because I don't want to get tweets after the show. Jack Buck, Ozzie Smith home run to clinch the NLCS in 85. Go crazy. That was his famous line in that. <laughs> and then Joe Carter, uh, when he uh, had the walk-off in the World Series for the Blue Jays, touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run. All right. Good stuff. Check it out. The Mark Sessler right up on his favorite announcing teams. And um, before we go, you know what we got to do. It's that time again to spin the wheel and find out which organization gets the old wheel of teams treatment erica um it is that time again so give us a spin of the wheel Mm. here we go be fun here we go oh it's the minnesota vikings the playoff team from a year ago no shortage of interesting storylines around the vikings who are all in 
and looking to get back to the Super Bowl for the first time since, God, 1973, something around there, early 70s. It had to be mid-70s maybe. Mid-70s. Um, yeah, there's a lot a lot to break down there, so we will put our heads together after the show and figure out who would be a great uh, person to converse with on the Vikings. Uh, so check that out on Wednesday show when we dive deep on the Vikings and our continuing Wheel of Team series. All right, what did we learn today? We learned that I'm going to be in the messenger. That's huge. Got that's a first in the podcast. Got the phone call. We learned in real time. Don't think that was a setup. That was completely um, a authentic moment there. And we'll see if that gets me the front cover. But it sounds like at the very least, I'm getting inside the pages of the messenger, which is a dream in we, itself. It's just interesting because you said you wouldn't do it, but you did not bring that up to them that you wouldn't do it unless that was one of your you said demand like requirements right. to do it. You, you are getting and a photo, maybe, though. That's big. The photo's big. Yeah, I need to. It certainly seems to be trending in the right direction, and I have to find a way in a somewhat delicate manner to um, find out about the front page. I, if you had done that on the podcast, that would have been one of my all-time <laughs> favorite. <laughs> I mean, I think the content will will suggest to the editorial staff of the Gatesville Messenger that there's no, you don't put this on B2 if there is even a B section to that paper. I mean, you put it uh, front and center of that eight-page newspaper you, and you don't put it anywhere else. You got to deliver. I mean, right. you've been on the other side of it as a as a reporter yep. sometimes yep. in smaller Many papers. Times. You need that subject to give you well, spin some gold. Guess what I got, though, in the holster? I got the six-shooter on the steel horse and I got got to change the na- the slogan of the town. To the oh, I, spur capital of the world. That's like if you need a pull quote, if you want a front page headline, you got this outsider, this cowboy coming in <laughs> from another, uh, you know, another town, another dusty highway. And I'm, I'm th- spitting that truth at them and making them change the way they think. I think that could be my ticket to the front page. I mean, we'll you are I you're a Pied Piper figure. And I, I could only imagine you like after the interview and that or after the papers released and people have digested uh, the Q&A, you know, just waltzing into the local tavern and just everyone doing one of those standing emotional sort of standing ovations, uh, Dead Poet Society type thing where you brought you've shined a light um, where it's been needed. Could or be you, met with or, pushback or hopefully too, though. you will. Could be put met with pushback I could be I could be vilified for it. The young will Some hear their life change. The young will re- they will re- it will resonate with the young. All right. So that's coming up on Friday Uh, on the same day that we are, of course, bringing back the around the NFL broadcast on NFL Network. So check that out. um, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. All right. That's it. This is Dan Hansen signing off for Patrick Claibon. Big ups to Claibon. Check out his video that he put together. The Sizzler. Some people call him the Quiet Storm. Sizzler. The old boss. Ricky Hollywood. Till Wednesday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? My check engine light's on. Mm, That could hurt your gas mileage. The AutoZone free fix finder service can help find the fix for free. This whole report for free? That's right. Printed and on your phone for free. But what if the fix is too tough? We'll recommend a local shop. Fix finder only at AutoZone. Get in zone, auto zone. Restrictions apply.